Father, it is your word. It hasn't originated from my mind. You said in your word, all scripture is God-breathed. Given by the inspiration of God. Notwithstanding the fact that you've used human vessels. Father, 66 books and 40 authors. But every one of them has been inspired by the Spirit of Christ. And is therefore profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness. So that a man of God may be thorough, complete, equipped for every good work. And therefore, even as we meditate upon you for your word this morning, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to equip us toward that end of perfection as you exhort us in Hebrews chapter 6, let us press on towards perfection. That we will not be babies, O oh Lord. That, Lord, you would continue to, Lord Jesus, exhort and encourage and rebuke and chastise and do whatever is necessary that you would do to your children to rot completeness in us, the, the, the inclination to press on toward perfection, that we will not be lazy or slack in, in, in the things of God, O oh Lord Jesus, in our lives. And therefore, to that end, I pray that you bless and anoint us the hearing and even the speaking of this word. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Let's, flirt, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, very famous. All of us know, but one of the things that we will do is, first we'll read the verse and then we will personalize it to ourselves and then get into the meat of the message, okay? For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Let's just personalize it. I just put all those personal things in brackets. For by grace I have been saved through faith and not of myself. It is a gift of God, not of my works, lest I should Ah, see, when the moment you do the personalization, how different it is, no? When you read it, just generally, it doesn't impact us as much. Let's read it again. For by grace, I have been saved through faith, and that not of myself, it is a gift of God, not of my works, lest I should boast. <laughs> and so, who is this I? Okay. How do we qualify this I and what are the qualifications of this fellow I? You know, the same chapter will qualify, it gives you seven characteristics, the complete man, whoever that fellow is. Who's that I? Okay, let's read Ephesians chapter 2. And I, okay, so this is again, so you, I was dead, where? In trespasses and sins. I once walked according to the course of this world means eating, drinking, what to wear, what to eat, what to put on, worrying. According to the course of this world, I was going. I was following Satan. I was having the spirit of disobedience working in me. I was among all those who lived in the passions of their flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Six. Okay, so five. I was by nature, what? An object of wrath. I was just like, I was not nothing special. That is the I. You see, this is what I is. And therefore now, after we know who this I is, let's read that again. For by grace, I have been saved through faith, not of myself. It is a gift of God, not of my works, lest I should boast. That is, that is what grace is. In spite of who we were, notwithstanding the fact that we absolute were complete in our not deserving God's grace. Seven characteristics I showed. God showed his mercy to us. 
So he saved us, but he, he did not save us because of our works, but he did save us for what? Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ. What, what are we? We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are not saved by our works, but we are saved unto good works, which God has prepared. You see? When? Beforehand. Before the foundation of the world were led. See, isn't that amazing? What a comfort. God has given us a particular plan beforehand only. It's a question paper out of The question paper has been leaked. Only all, all, all you need to do is to, is to, is to, if I were to use the modern day terms, hack into God's computer and get out the paper. That is what we call revelation. And who gives us the brains to hack? God himself. Okay. <laughs> this is what we need to do. He has already given us things that we have supposed to do. See, this is what, that is the reason why we work from rest and we don't work for rest. You see, this is so important for us. Okay, so we were God's workmanship in created in Christ Jesus. We were created not, I mean, we were not saved because of our works. We were saved for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should what? Not do them, walk in them. In other words, it's like, show me your ways. God asks, I mean, Moses asks, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, sorry, Moses asks God. <laughs> yeah, what is his name? You know, he asks his name and he gives him his uh, name, right? He asks God and God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you what? Rest. You shall walk with me and I will give you rest. In other words, you want to know my ways? Let's walk together. You see, that we should walk in them. So, what is this? This is what we are done and what is God has given us in order to accomplish this? Grace. You see, grace not only saves us, grace also gives us the power to accomplish, to not only just accomplish, to first find the works that we are supposed to do, which God has prepared beforehand. Do you know that? That God has already prepared beforehand all the works that we are supposed to do. It's becoming clearer and clearer for me even more. Even as I walk with the Lord one day at a time, I'm knowing what is what, what, what we call as the good. Then we know the acceptable. And then there is a perfect will. And after that, I'm not going to turn to the left or to the right. And that is the, what do you say, the, 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 the hope of a believer. That you will know exactly what God has planned for you. And once you know that, why? What rest? You're not looking to who's who's getting better, who's getting more applause, who's being used more, who's not being used more. You're not comparing whether I'm better than that person, I'm less less than this person. No, no, all those comparisons are completely gone. You know why? Because God doesn't compare his children. All are his children. And God only sees how faithful you are to those works God has given you beforehand. And so what God does is he gives us grace to find those works and not only he gives us grace to find those works, he also gives us the grace to fulfill those works. In other words, God's grace is to find the works and God's grace is to finish the works that he has for us. In other words, God is not going to give us the grace to do some things which we are not called for. If it is not in God's plan, you will try and try and try and try and God will allow you to fail. This is not my plan for you. Like you, you can go run away from the presence of God and hide downstairs and think that you are Abba. Finally, cut off from God. No, no, no. God will find you. 
He will frustrate your plans, send you to the deep most parts of the earth and wait. Can you imagine this fellow till three days, till the last moment he will not cry out. At, at the third day he then cries out, oh, from the depths of the ocean I cried out, those who run after worthless idols forsake their own steadfast mercy or love. Can you imagine? See, that, that is exactly what God has to do in all of us. In all of us, he has to give us the ability to find what God's works for us are and not only the ability to find those works and also the ability to finish them. For example, if, I'm in, if I've been called to preach and to teach, God has given me a speci- special grace for that, a special anointing for that. And if I think, okay, now God has given me this, I think I can also do something else. Okay. Whatever that something else is. I mean, I'm thinking what I can't do. Okay. I can do everything. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, so many things I'm not, I will not be able to do. It's like this, no? The guy who's, uh, he's extremely brilliant in the keyboard. But he has this desire to play the saxophone. But when he plays the saxophone, it goes crazy. But he will hold on to the saxophone. God says, Baba, saxophone chodo. This the grace is given for this, not for something else. If you touch the saxophone, it will be cacophony. If you touch the, touch the keyboard, it will be symphony. You see? You understand what I'm talking about? So there's a specific task God has given us and he, we need to be, and he gives us the grace to find out what, what those works are and he gives us the grace to finish those works. Understand that? Everybody. But who does God, God give grace to? The humble. Kya baat hai? First Peter chapter 5 verse 1. Likewise you younger. So when, when he's talking about younger, he's not talking about younger in age. Like a pastor was talking to uh, recently in the revival meeting. He says, if you are, if let's say uh, there are three people, one is 55 years old, one is 60 years old, and one is 18 years old, and one is seven year old. And in this meeting, they all get saved. A 60 year, 60 year old person is not 60 year old saved. He's zero year old saved. Everybody is at the same spiritual age. Okay. 40 year old guy is not 40 year old saved. 7 year old guy is not 7 year old saved. Everybody starts where? Zero. That's remarkable. So if you are, so he's not talking about younger in terms of age. He's talking about those people who are younger. Now, in other words, he's not, he's not, in other words, when we grow old, we need to grow up and don't try to hide your gray hair. I'll tell you why. Gray hair, if it is obtained in righteousness, it is a glory to a man. What kind of a hair did Jesus have in 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 glory? Excuse me, all white. So if you're all white, you're already they're almost there to be qualified with Jesus. Okay. But our world teaches three things. One one lady said, no, he teaches three things: either deny, disguise, despise. Either we deny our gray hair or we disguise our gray hair or we despise those who are gray haired. So you consciously keep making your birthday one year less than what you are actually, no? Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself. He's not talking about the younger in terms of age here per se. He's talking about younger in terms of spiritual age. Submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be, Kya baat hai? what is the clothing that you wear? It's important to God. Clothed with humility for what? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You understand this? 
my dear brothers and sisters so the only way you are you can experience which is the power of god grace is the power of god through faith we get grace is by being clothed with humility and having a submissive spirit you see this is what we call as the abc's of christendom christianity without a submissive spirit you can forget it and then again uh, dr richard was praying uh, titus chapter 2 for the grace of god has appeared that offers salvation to all people it okay the grace of god it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions passions and to life and to live self control upright and godly lives in this presentation so what does grace of god do it teaches us okay that is no okay no to something specific and yes to something no to ungodliness and yes to godliness obviously so what does grace of god do it teaches us so what is humility excuse me to be have the ability to be taught okay the ability to be the teachability is humility write down today okay <laughs> teachability is humility so whom should i learn from is the question no whom should i learn from sometimes god uses simple people for example second kings chapter 5 now, ba- the, now this was yesterday last time naman's story you know the bands of raiders from aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from syria and she served naman's wife and she said who said so naman had to listen to a simple girl that is how his breakthrough will come and then he goes to um to to israel and is furious with the way elisha treats him and then look at what happens naman's servants you see god uses and you know what he is looking at do we have the ability to be taught in other words can god use anybody to teach us notwithstanding his position in the church perceived position in the church let me use that word okay perceived position in the church naman's servants met him and he said my father just imagine if naman wouldn't have heard the first girl's uh, exhortation would he have been cleansed of his leprosy no forget about cleansing no salvation for him he'll be in hell but that's the reason why it says there were so many lepers in israel but elisha was was i mean only one guy was sent to elisha the prophet and who was that guy naman the syrian and then if naman wouldn't have heard the voice of his another servant forget about so in other words god is looking at teachability and how does he test test our teachability can we do we have the ability to learn from the least from the meekest so today's title is learning from the least learning from the least you see who is the meekest man on earth Moses that's what you say you say but i think it's jesus so when jesus said i am meek and lowly come and learn of me and then you say you should learn from jesus you should walk like the way jesus walked and you will say ma too much very very difficult no how many if you think that think like that very easy for you to walk with jesus <laughs> no 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 right so if you think that it is jesus too much raise your hands be honest in the house of god okay somebody lot of people are very shamed it's okay no problem in your heart you have raised your hand okay no problem what about moses moses was the meekest man on earth let's learn from him also very difficult 
See, you know what God does, you know, when, when we have these examples like Paul and, 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 and Moses and for Jesus, we started with Jesus and Paul and Moses and all these people, we find it's, you know what, they could do it, we can't. Okay. They were all some, they had something in them, extraordinarily talented or something gift, some kind of a gift they had and they could live like that. But today's titles, uh, title of uh, today's sermon is learning from the least. So you know what God says, okay fine, I'll do one thing. If the men are really depressing you with all their exploits in the Bible, I'll do one thing, I will teach you from animals. Okay, so today we'll have a zoology class. I am not a zoologist. Okay, I'm a roboticist. Okay, that will not change. Okay, I'm. <laughs> See, and he says, I'm, I'm going I'm to teach a small zoology. So you know what he says? He says, okay, forget about. See, Bible is a very persuasive book. Okay, it's very persuasive. Okay, fine, you find these examples too much for you. Let me, let me. Use a little small examples at, at least to persuade you and say, you know, if these fellas can do it, what about you? With all their limitations, they could do it. What about you? With all your freedoms, giftings, talents, etc. So we'll look at <laughs> the animal kingdom today. But before we go there, of course, my favorite book in the Bible, Proverbs chapter 13. The words of Agur, the son of Yake. It's Yake, it's Yake. Okay, that's the Hebrew. His utterance or his, whatever, his, uh, uh, his utterance or something, his oracle, you can use his prophecy. This man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and to Yukal. So you have Agur, Agur means a gatherer. That's the reason why Jesus said, those who is, who's, that the person who is not with me is, is against me. And those who does not, who do not gather with me, what are they doing? They're scattering abroad. So this Agur is a person like me, who's trying to gather together in one, a church. Or anybody who shares from this pulpit, okay? So you have the words of Agur, the gatherer, and he's a son of Yakhe. Who's he? The son of Yakhe means the blameless one. Who's the blameless one? Jesus himself. Okay, so fantastic, no? The words of Agur, the son of Yakhe, his oracle, this man declared to Ithiel. Who's Ithiel? What does Ithiel mean? God is with me. Amazing. Ithiel. And to Yukal, a man who is hungry. He's a devourer. He's a glutton for the word of God. He's hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And Agur says, my words are these two. Uh, for two, I think Agur possibly is uh, talking to two of his sons, Ithiel and Yukal. And then look at the confession of this teacher, of this great teacher. And this should be the attitude of every teacher. See, we have nothing. See, the qualifications in, our, in the world will not qualify us to preach the word of God. That's one thing which I've observed. In fact, the more you're qualified in the world, the more God has to disqualify you in order to qualify you. That's, that's what we looked at Apostle Paul. Incredibly qualified in all the pharisaical literature. He was a prize student of Gamaliel and God says, you're not going to the Jews. You'll go to the Gentiles. I'm not going to give you the grace to minister to the Jews. And if you try to go to the Jews, they'll, they'll nicely spank you. So every time he goes to the synagogues, they're only getting spanking. Have you seen? You go to the book of Acts. Everywhere he goes to the Jews, they give on, keep on giving, giving uh, spankings. He doesn't have a successful ministry with the Jews. Even though he says in Romans chapter 9, my heart's desire and prayer for all my brother is that they should be saved. For I have witnessed that they have a zeal for God and not according to knowledge. And then therefore he says, you know, I have a desire for me, in my heart to reach out to my own people. 
But you know God, what God does? He says, no. You man, like we heard, you will go to the Gentiles and Peter will go to the Jews. God's strange ways. So, words of Agur, the son of Yakhe, his utterance, this man, this, uh, this declared to, uh, this man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and you call him. This is exactly what happens. You know, you, you know when, when I came into the ministry, one of the things that Pastor James did, did is that he put me in all ministries. Children's ministry, youth ministry, cleaning ministry, all ministry. Worship ministry. And the most difficult for me was this children's ministry. Oh my goodness, you should see. With all my qualifications, they care two hoots. I can come get, get my resume, I can get my picture from IIIT, I'm from IIT, they don't know anything, Abba. My hand is spinning from here to here. From here to here, my hand is spinning. You see, that is how they, <laughs> so they, I mean, my, it, it God humbles your, 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 all your qualifications don't matter there. You see, and you ought to sit with them, and they say, I want to go to the toilet. Suddenly, you know, and then, you know, I really, literally, we, we, Jason and I, we became butt cleaners for a while. We were butlers <laughs> in our school. They'll come with all kinds of problems. I remember one of the students, you know, he had a constipation problem. He said, Pastor Vijay, toilet. And then I said, come better, let me take you to the toilet. Please stay with me inside. And then he says, ooh, ooh. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what is going on, Lord? No? You see, that is how God humbles you. So, you need to understand. So, look at Agur's confession. Look at what he says. Surely I am more stupid <laughs> than any man. That is Agur, the teacher. You know, that is one thing I have observed. You know, if I have to be a teacher of the word of God, this is the attitude I should have. Lord, I am a stupid man when compared to the rest of my congregation. And I do not have the understanding of even a man. I am a brutish, it says KJV. I neither learn wisdom nor I have knowledge of the Holy One. You see, this is the disposition of a man who is teachable. You see, the teacher, the one who teaches first has to be teachable. That is the reason why it says in Romans chapter 2, you who teach others, don't you teach yourself? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who say, you who you hate idolatry, do you rob temples? You see? And he says, the word of God, the name of God is being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, you teachers. So the teacher has to have an incredible, you know what, a disposition, if I will, if you will, a, a spiritual disposition where he himself is teachable. And when he is teachable, that excitement he is able to transfer it to his hearers. So then he says, okay, fine. So several, pro- you know, this is one of those uh, proverb chapters which has three, three plus one. Three things, four things. Three things, four things. Three things, x, x plus one, okay? Seven, six things, six plus one. So this is this is one of those chapters which does x x plus one x is equal to three. All right. So look at what he says, and this is from Proverbs chapter thirty, and look at verse twenty four onwards. We are learning from the. We are learning from the. No 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 no. Least. Thank you. We are learning from the least. Look at the first least. There are four things which are little on the whole earth, but are. Kya baat hai? Four things which are exceedingly wise, but they are the least in the world. 
What are those four things, Baba? Let us see. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. The rock badger or the coney, we'll talk about the coney. Because when I say rock badger, everybody's saying, what is a badger? What is a rock badger? We'll come to that. Are a feeble people, yet they make homes in the, in the cracks. The locusts have no king. There they all advance in ranks. The spider, actually another translation we use, use the words house lizard. <laughs> house lizard skillfully grasps with its hands and it is in king's palaces. First observation among, you know, there's a very obvious observation when you read the Bible slowly and carefully. If you look at it, you should be able to find it out. First observation. Excuse me? No, 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 no. That is obvious. No, 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 no. First observation. That is again very apparent. I'll tell you. What is this? What is this? Badgers. What is this? What is this? Ah, now tell me. Singular, plural. Okay. Ants, badgers, locusts, plural. Spider. It doesn't say spiders. Spider. Or house lizard only. One spider. That's an obvious observation. Okay. Second, the ants are a... Ah, he's, he's comparing ants to a certain kind of people. Rock badgers again are a kind of so by induction, the locusts are also a kind of people. <laughs> and the spider is the kind of a person. You see the, you see the comparison? Very, very obvious, simple, simple truths that you, you are able to understand and grasp. No, it's not, no brainer. This. Okay. Something which is obvious, which is being stated only. Because most of the times we miss the obvious. Okay. So that is something. So, in other words, ants are not alone. Badgers are not alone. Locusts are not alone. We never talk about one ant. Have you seen one ant? They always are a team. Now we have something called a swarm robotics. Go to YouTube and type swarm robotics. You know from where they get their ideas from? From ants. Swarm robots. Load sharing, etc, etc, etc. Rock badgers. Again, locusts. Plural. So there's something which, in other words, these are not people who are independent. They they are interdependent people. So we need to understand that ideas too. Second thing we need to look at that they are not what strong. They are also feeble. So in other words, whom does God call in the entire Bible? People who are not strong. Let us qualify. Ants are a people. Not strong. Revelation chapter 3. And to the change, verse 7 onwards. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, etc, etc. I know your works. See, I have said before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have. Ah, a little stick. It means and signify a, a church body which understands their inadequacy and notwithstanding their inadequacy, they keep the word of God. As we heard yesterday in the fasting and prayer. 
వినాయక స్తుతం వెరీ ఇంపార్టెంట్ సో విల్ ఎస్ ఫస్ట్ లర్న్ ఫ్రమ్ ది హ్యాండ్స్ ఎవరిబడి రెడీ how many of you when you can imagine an ant just imagine okay in your mind's eye in order to learn from an ant what do you need to do you have to go and sit there like this okay ah it looks ah it is not going to work that way you have to go down wait observe you know this man solomon he wrote 3000 proverbs 1005 Psalms and it says in second kings chapter 4 that he was better than all the wisest people of the east among, among his peer group now when we have peer groups this fellow is all india first rank air number 1 jai number number 1 rank 9.8 was his iq if it's 9.8 was the iq albert einstein's iq was 9.6 or something solomon's iq was 9.8 out of 10 he 3000 proverbs 1005 psalms and 900 concubines and wives together can i cannot imagine if you just imagine he's going on a circuit no wife circuit in a year it will take him at least 3 and a half years to finish one circuit can you imagine that is solomon and therefore i believe when he wrote the book of proverbs he wrote it when his heart was tender when, when he himself was teachable and after after a while he could not be taught you know that right when jeroboam uh, he know he comes to realize that jeroboam is going to be uh, uh, the king of the okay, king of the israelite nation he wants to kill jeroboam he just becomes like saul what's the difference with all his anointing and with all his knowledge saul didn't write any proverbs he write he wrote proverbs both are the same final analysis you see very important for us to understand this so he says he god gave him such incredible wisdom it says in second second king chapter 4 you know and it's a temptation lord give me that kind of wisdom also and then god says can you handle it can you handle it see don't seek unnecessary attention that's what you know uh, jeremiah told baruch seekest thou great thing for yourself don't seek them please anyways so you have ants signify those people who are people of little strength okay so let us go to the ant and learn a few lessons today okay first learning from the least so ants let's learn from the ants in other words we are learning from that part of the church who have the characteristic of this ant so in order to understand what is not what is the characteristic of the ant you should understand what is not the characteristic of the ant okay so in if you look at the book of proverbs you always have these strange juxtapositions of 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 um, contrary ideas so in order to let's say if he wants to show you or something positive he highlights the negative in order to make you understand the positive you know if you want to make you understand the negative he highlights the positive in order to make you understand the negative so look at the ant it's it's in acts chapter i mean sorry proverbs chapter 6 and my daughters are exasperated because i love this ant every time i go to the proverbs class they get the ant okay <laughs> go to the ant is the dad no way please nah, enough no no let's go to the ant today okay go to the ant you what sluggard or slothful man that's the word slothful man consider her ways and be wise which having no captain overseer or ruler provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest and now what is he comparing what is the 
the antithesis of the ant is a so let us understand what a sloth, who a slothful person is to understand the nature of the ant. Slothful person you will understand what the nature of the ant is. Okay. So what you need to understand slothfulness is whenever you think about slothful man, just don't imagine a guy sitting before a television and eating French fries and potatoes and having whatever and for, for watching NBA game. No, 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 no. That is not, that is your quintessential stereotype of a, of a slothful man. You know, Bible is very good at smashing all stereotypes. So we, we, you can identify with this slothful man. Okay. Today, that's my whole idea to show the slothful man in me. Okay. Got it? You got it, everybody? So let us see. See, first of all, I need to understand is slothfulness is a spirit. Okay. It's what we call the spirit of slothfulness. So let us understand how does slothfulness as a spirit manifest itself. The first place I want to look at. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 13. The slothful says, there is a lion outside, I shall be killed in the streets. There is a lion outside. Ammo, bite a boochadunadu. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how we, we make our children eat their food, no? Buchadu, buchadu, buchadu. By tomorrow, outside is a lion. I shall be killed in the streets. Now, let us observe this very carefully. So what is the spirit of slothfulness? First, there is a lion of what we call, he's scared of commitment. Commitment is a huge lion for a slothful man. Have you seen? I mean, that is the reason why many people in the West don't, don't they don't want to get married. You know why? More, if I get married, I might get divorced. And if I get divorced, it will be a huge expensive divorce. I mean, it's incredible, no? Michael Jordan, when he had his divorce, Michael Jordan or Mike, Michael John, Michael Johnson, Michael Jordan, one of the one of those guys who had when he had a divorce, one hundred and eighty three million dollar divorce. Half his earnings went away, and then you know they, they come up with these strange ideas in the West. We call it prenuptial agreement. Just in case you get divorced and you betray me, please sign this document. You'll get nothing from me. Yeah. And that, that's precise. It's, a, it's what we call as a lion of commitment. <laughs> you see, that, that's exactly how it is in Christian life also. I'm scared of what? Commitment. I don't want to commit too much. I'll be killed. I'll have nothing to have for myself. You see, <laughs> you see this is a crazy fear. Fear of commitment. I mean, especially for girls, you know, to get married to a guy whom this fellow, we don't even know. So till the last minute on my wedding day, I had my heart beating in my mouth. She said, no, if any of you have any, whatever, reason not to get married, I'm like, okay, do you have? No, 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 thank you, Jesus, no. You see, because, because many, many, many of them have, you know, even men have commitment, uh, commitment issues. And what we do is, we extrapolate that with our relationship with God. We, don't, we want to hold on to something because we are scared of the lion called commitment. Think about it. If you commit yourself to God, will you lose? Ha! 
What a stupid excuse. It's just an imagination. Created by the devil inside your mind. First Peter chapter 3. For this is how, verse 5, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. No, by, by the way, this is just not badgering on women. It's for all of us because we are the bride of Christ. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him what? Lord, I'm committing myself completely to you, not, notwithstanding the fact that you were going to say, send me, say, uh, sell me off to the Pharaoh and even to the, the prince of Gerar, to Abimelech. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear. You see, the huge commitment fear. Huge commitment fear. I know this for a fact in Christendom. They have no problem signing a bond to an organization uh, like IBM or Accenture or Amazon. Three year contract they will sign. But signing a contract for God? Ammo! Huge lion called commitment. Even it's, it's there, you know, First Peter chapter 5. If you, if you will humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, verse 6 onwards, First Peter chapter 5, God in his good time, he will lift you up. When is that good time going to come, God? I don't know. And then it says, let him have all your worries and cares. Let him have. Who is that him? Let him, as Jesus, have all your worries and cares for he's always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. See that? Don't fear commitment. Commitment is a huge lion outside. Lion called commitment. Second lion. Lion called loss of face. That's exactly what happened to me, you know, in when Raja's wedding. Translation went for a toss. And my mother... <laughs> no, she didn't say that poor thing. No, I could imagine what she was thinking. That's all. You see, loss of face. What if I stumble? What if I fall? What if I make a fool of myself? Or I don't want to stick like a sore thumb in my office. I want to be like one of the guys. It was a huge thing for young people, no? Pure pressure. Thank God when I, when I was growing up, that was not there for me at least. I don't know if I really had it. But I never chopped my hair like this and did, that, did all those things, no? So we were focused at least in our generation because of parental pressure. We were nice and focused. We had short hair, nice decent hair. Sometimes French beard, but after a while that also went. But now here, these days, it's such a tremendous pressure on 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 uh, young people to fit into the crowd. Fear is a lion called loss of face. I don't want to lose face. John John's Gospel chapter twelve. Yet at the same time, many even among the disciples of the, of the leaders forty two. Yet John twelve forty two. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge him for what? Fear that they'll be thrown out. That's exactly how this blind man was met by God. No, Jesus helped the blind man who was born blind, healed him. That guy goes to the synagogue, testifies. He keeps on testifying, testifying, testifying. Doesn't deny Jesus. And he's what? Thrown out. And then Jesus meets him. Are you willing to lose face? It's such a tremendous battle. No? 
Think about it, no? You are in a, in, a, in, a, in a train and you are a family or the Christian family and you have, you are in a third, uh, three-tier AC, the six uh, births and you have four births and two non-believers. Will you hold hands with your family and pray? Are you afraid of losing face? You see? Lion. Called inadequacy. You don't know how inadequate. You don't know my past failures. The baggage that I carry. You know, Paul's baggage, murderer murderer of the church and the most honest godly man he murdered, Stephen. What is your sin? What is your sin? That is the reason when First Timothy chapter 1 he says, in me Christ showed his mercy as an example to others. The worst of all fellows in planet earth, I am the guy. If God can save me, he can save anybody. Not your, notwithstanding all your shortcomings and in, in your perceived inadequacies. Now think about it. How many of you think if you send your resume to God, He'll shortlist your resume? Huh? IBM you send, they will give, they will ask 2,500 questions. And you think that you can send your resume to God and He'll short, shortlist your resume? Huh? Hello? Which department should I put you in? Cleaning department. Because my universe is so huge. You want to clean my universe? You think, see, somehow we have this feeling that, you know, if I can work hard, if I do this, somehow I can become adequate and God will choose you. God says, Baba, you know who I am? Just because I came and became a man, you think that I'm just like one of you? No! I just came to you telling you that it takes God to be a man. That's what I came for. To be a man, you need to be God. It's no way, no other way to be, to be, to be man. You have infinite inadequacies. That is the reason why Psalm 16 verse 1. God, you are my God. My goodness does not extend to thee. You are so infinitely good. I am so infinitely inadequate. And oh, this is an excuse from so many people give. See, Exodus chapter 4 verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent neither before, before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. It doesn't, I've got a, I've got a stammer in my mouth. I'm an inadequate Lord. You know what God says? Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves. <laughs> That's what the ant says. Ants are these people, Baba. Slothful man says, I'm inadequate. You know what ant says? I'm inadequate, but let me tell you something. I have acknowledged the fact that I'm absolutely incompetent for anything of God. And what he says? Look at this. Everybody read six. He has made us competent. Ministers of the new covenant. Look at what God does. Second Corinthians chapter 12. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power. I love that verse. Now this is translation. I think it's the NIV. My power, my power is made perfect in weakness. So when you are absolutely aware of your inadequacy, then, and you acknowledge it, then I will come through. Understand? 
Let's look at another thing about the spirit of slothfulness. The slothful, ah, <laughs> he says, he always has something to say. All talk, no work. Slothful. I mean, you can call him a politician. Except maybe Trump, I don't know. Or Kejriwal, I don't know. And I remember, no, if you have, if you have read Tintin, Okay, Captain, what's his name? Haddock, yeah. Captain Haddock has strange, uh, what do you say, language to curse people, no? He says, I, oh, what is, what, this blistering barnacles, billions of blistering barnacles, and one of his, one of his curse word is, politicians! <laughs> Captain Haddock's famous, you know, whatever derogative word, politicians. I mean, he calls him politicians. Says, there's a confession of slothfulness. You know that? You understand? You look at the Bible, mouth of two witnesses, everything gets established. You just go to, I mean, we'll come, come to another place where again the slothful fellow says, confession. Um, life and death is in the power of your tongue. Look at this. Numbers chapter 13 verse 32 B onwards. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anna came from the giants, who came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were. Who told you that? Who told you? Did you went, go and ask this opinion? What do you think about me? Did you? And if he would really have gone and asked his opinion, like, like, you know what God tells Gideon, go to the enemy's camp and see what they are thinking about you. Oh, do you know what? I had a dream. One barley thing came and came upon me. This is nothing but the sword of Gideon. Hare, this fellow comes out. You see, this is what the enemy thinks about you and you are thinking enemy's thoughts. He's, you are thinking for the enemy also. Slothful man confesses. You know, God believes in Tadasthu. Keep on confessing, confessing, confessing. One day he'll say, finished, over. And then he says, First Samuel chapter 17 verse 25, this is, this is all those people who are 40 days Goliath is coming and challenging <laughs> the, the Israelites and these fellows are all in the military. They're eating nice military food. For 40 days. And they're describing Goliath. All they could do is say about Goliath and not about God. Look at what it says. Have you seen this giant? Hurry, Baba. Look at this helmet. Look at this chest. Look at this armor bearer. Look at this ammunition. Look at this talent. What chance do we have? He has insulted the entire army of Israel. Shame on you, God's people. That you should Describe the enemy than God. And we have heard about the huge reward the king has offered to anyone who kills him. And you know, King Saul, it says, was a very handsome fellow in, in all the, his, on, among all Israel. So his daughters might, might have been looking very beautiful, no? So he says, you kill this fellow, my, one of my daughters. And you know, so who's going to die for any other person otherwise, no? Think about it, no? <laughs> you, know, you know what Caleb said? If you conquer Kiryat, whatever... I'll give you Aksa. Or Othiriyal said, I'm going to do it. Aksa? 
Aksar might have been looking stunning. Otherwise, who will risk for any other person, no? For you, baby, anything, no? Aksar said. Othaniel said, no? <laughs> Raj is looking at Apu, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't know who said who, what to who, but that's okay. <laughs> so he has insulted. King has promised one of the daughters. Look at what David has to say, no? Your servant killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like him. Seeing he has defied who? The armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, now look at this. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me also. He's not talking about his own, you know, what he said, talent or whatever you know, skill sets that he has got. He says, the God whom I serve is able to do it. There's a confession of a sluggard, of a slothful man. Let's go to the next confession. But let me tell you, before we go to the next confession, Proverbs chapter 21 verse 30. Let's read this together, everybody. Everybody, okay? There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan. Ah, that kin against the Lord. Kya baat hai? Super. No wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed. In other words, you have all the orders from the government. The government has given you the orders to to, to massacre Christians, to arrest Christians, to has given you literally the license to kill. And you can do whatever you want with them. Even the high priests are with you. You have the orders from the from the church. You have the orders from the government. You can do anything. You know what God says? You're kicking against the goats. And you can't do it for long. You can't do it for long. You see? Look at how... You know, say, why? There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. So is God very, very wise? No, Lord. Look at, look at one of the comparisons I love in the Bible. This is Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 25. Let's read. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger. What was the weakest point of God when he hung on the cross? That's the reason why it says in Corinthians, he hung on the cross in Weakness. And that weakness is stronger than all the principalities and powers of darkness. That's the reason it says in Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. On the cross, he disarmed the principalities and powers of darkness. How? In weakness. In weakness. You understand? Look at another, another proverb. Four chapters later. First is 22 to 13. 26 13. The slothful man saith, there is a lion in the way. A lion is in the streets. Another translation to get another exact rendering. The slothful man always says, there is a young lion in the road, a fierce lion in the streets. Now tell me, let me tell you something. You wait and you think when my problems are solved, then I will overcome this, this lion will disappear. Okay. Then I will go out when there is no lion. When my children are happily married and settled. When they have no problems in their marriage. When they have their first baby. When their baby becomes bigger. Then I will say, no, no, no. When the baby gets married. 
you see, the more you procrastinate, the more the lions become stronger in your life. Now you don't find one lion, you'll find two lions. First is a young lion, the other is a fierce lion. You understand that? First is only a young lion. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon, thou shalt. That is what the power of confession is. But what do you say? Oh, yo, the lion is there. Now what has happened? There is only one first. First there was only a young lion. Now it has become what? A fierce lion. Two lions. You know, pastor keeps saying, right? Let's see. Things are going to get tougher, not easier. <laughs> you see, if you keep on procrastinating in your life, okay, when all my problems are solved, all my debts should be over, Lord. I should be debt free. I should have Settle my family, I should have get gotten married, and everything is okay in my life, then I will serve you. Is it gonna happen? You know what enemy will do? He will make sure that he will not succeed. And God will also do it. He will allow it. See what it says in Second Timothy chapter three. But know this that in the last days what will come? You know what this word perilous actually is? Fierce times. You know where it's used? It's used in the the guys who are in um, Gadarenes. Remember? Gadarenes, the two demon possessed fellows. It says they had, they were fierce. It's exactly what is happening in these last days. Fierce times are going to come. Fierce times. Look at the way we have chaos in around the world. Have you ever seen ships being quarantined for 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 days? And these are ships from developed countries, not Third world countries, that's the problem. This is China, this is Japan, this is US, this is UK and Canada. Perilous times. Don't, I'm going to, there's not going to be any convenient time for the gospel. Let me tell you something. There is not going to be a convenient time to make your commitment to God. Forget it. There's not going to be convenient time. Acts chapter 24, verse 24 onwards. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, which is by faith, justification by faith alone, after you are justified by faith, you should live a self-controlled life. Otherwise, there is judgment coming. What has happened? Felix was afraid. And what did he say? That is enough for now. You may leave. When I find convenient, I will send for you. And when did that convenient time come? Never. Never. That is the reason why. Acts chapter 24. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Prosius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. And you know what he says? But because of, he wanted to grant favor to the Jews and he left Paul in prison. This is exactly what he did. He left Paul in prison. He never asked for him again. Finished. Over. Time is gone. That is the reason why Hebrews chapter 3 says, let's read that together. But exhort one another every day as long as it is, as it is called today. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Your heart is going to get even more harder and not softer. When I grow old, I will give my best to the Lord. When you grow old, you have nothing best to give. You see? 
slothfulness is procrastination. Another one, observation. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. So shall a little, a little fold, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding out of hands. So shall your poverty come like what? An armed man. You see, slothfulness is apathy. Then the word of the Lord came to, came by Haggai, the prophet saying, is it time for your, for your, for you yourself to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. You understand that, everybody? Finally, Proverbs chapter 26 verse 16. A sluggard or slothful is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Let us look at another translation. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes, in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. In other words, seven means complete reason. This is completion. This is what it actually means. You know what slothful says? I know better. I know better. It's called stubbornness. Matthew chapter 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 2. Those who think they know something do not know as they ought to know. Understand this. So you have slothfulness, a stubbornness. Slothfulness as procrastination. Slothfulness as fear of inadequacy in all those fears. That is slothfulness. The exact opposite is the what? Is the ant. So let's come back to the ant now. Go to the ant, you sluggard or slothful man. Consider her ways and be wise, which having what? No captain. You know the word is judge. Overseer or ruler. Provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Now let me tell you what it means. Which having no captain, overseer or ruler. What does it mean? It doesn't mean that it has no captain, overseer or ruler. It does not need any captain, overseer or ruler. That is what it means. Okay. He doesn't need a judge, a ruler or an overseer. What does it mean? Judge meaning? You know, a lot of people know, I am being treated unfairly in my office. I need justice. Ants don't want justice. And Ants only want what? Mercy. Yeah. First Peter chapter 2 verse 18 Servants be submissive to your own masters To your masters with what? All fear not only to the good and gentle But also to the harsh For this is commendable if Because of conscience toward God One endures grief suffering wrongfully For to this you are called Because Christ also suffered for us Leaving as an example that you should follow In his footsteps And it says goes on to say Who committed no sin was No deceit was found in his mouth who when he was reviled did not revile, when he suffered did not threaten, but committed himself to the one who judges righteously. In other words, ants have one judge. Who is that judge? God. That's what it means. Second, 
Ants have no overseer. In other words, there's no manager. No manager. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. Bond servants, software engineers. Because they give you, they ask you to sign a bond. No, three year bond in Amazon. No. Whenever I look at him, I look at Amazon. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> a three year bond in any other place. Okay. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart. As to Christ, not with Ah, I service and they don't, don't have, they should not be, you should not work because some overseer is there. As men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. What an attitude. With good willing, good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, look at this, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he's slave or free, whether you're a manager or a bond servant, you will receive the same reward if you work with this attitude. Ultimately, it is not your salary which is the which is the benchmark. It is God. He will give you a salary later on. Actually, you don't need salary later on. Okay. You, your estate is yours. Okay, fine. So you don't need a judge. You don't need an overseer. And then you don't need a ruler. Who is the ruler then? And to the ruler. He rules himself. First Corinthians chapter 9. But I discipline my body and bring it to subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You see, ant knows exactly what is needed and not needed. First Corinthians chapter 6. I have the right to do anything. You say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to watch movies, web series, Okay, Amazon Prime, Sony Live, Aha. Nowadays we have Aha also, no? Aha is an app. By the way, when the other day I was going, Aha, watch web series and my goodness, I have, I can watch all of them. But is it going to benefit me? No, it's only going to be a waste of time. Oh, I will learn Telugu if I watch Aha. God says, read the Telugu Bible. You will learn much better Telugu. Aha. You don't need. This is a big aha. You see. Why is this important? Because you know what? Ants are aware. I have the right to do anything you say. But everything is not beneficial. First Corinthians chapter 10. I have the right to do anything. But everything is not constructive. No one should seek their own good. But the good of others. You know what? If I say you know what? I watch aha. Let me say. Let me confess. Pastor himself is watching aha. What is wrong in me watching Aha? And a lot of people say, no, I have a filter in my mind. What kind of a filter, Baba? I have the ability to grasp all the good and reject all the bad. Really? Really? This should be raptured, you will not be here. <laughs> Those filters don't exist. The fact, there is another filter actually. You can watch a fantastic movie, you will remember only the bad and lose all the good. Do you know that? Those filters don't exist. Welcome to the real world. You've been sold a, you know, a bunch of lies, saints. 
Oh, I have the ability to only take the good in every movie. Really? I have the ability to watch a movie from the Christian perspective. Really? So, no. I want to know how to make movies so that I can make a Christian movie later on. Abba! Blockbusters only you made. You have got the highest hits on YouTube. Really? No, 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 no. Those things don't exist. Ants, no. You know why? Because they are ants. They so they know their weaknesses. My his strength is made perfect only in my weakness. And therefore I will boast about my weakness and not boast about the fact that I can watch a movie and do whatever. Aha. Really? Second thing an ant does, it provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. What does that mean? Proverbs chapter 10 verse 5. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in the harvest is a son who causes shame. So what does the ant think of itself? I am a son of God. That's what it thinks. Because ants are a people. You heard that, right? They are are no longer slaves. They are not servants of God. They are sons of God. John's Gospel chapter 4. Look at this. My foot is, said, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That is the perfect ant. Don't you, don't say, don't you, don't, don't you have a saying, it's still four months and until harvest. This is the first word I heard in my, when I was reading, I was contemplating full-time ministry, it struck me. I said, God, four months, Lord. Four months. You know what God said? Don't say? Four months. And until I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. You are a lazy son, you're not an ant. Look at what it says about Jesus. Right from the beginning, he had this consciousness about who he was. Luke's Gospel chapter 2. And he said to them, why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must, what? Be about my father's business. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke. Other translations, don't you know? I had to be in my father's house. My father's house is my business. Nothing else. What is your business? Tell me. Your business is not software engineering. Your business is not mechanical engineering. Your business is not a teacher. You're not a, your business is not a housewife. Your business is father's house is my business. And everything in my life is centered around as to how I edify the father's house and nothing else. Hebrews chapter 3, we know this very well. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house, bearing witness to what would be, what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. How are you? What are you? This is an ant. Do you have the attitude today of an ant? Finish the ants and let's go to the next one. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 26. The rock badgers, conies are a feeble people, yet they make their homes in the crags. How many of you know, have you seen a rock badger? I am sure I haven't also seen it. I went to Google and I found this one out. This is how it looks like. Anybody can see it? Very small creature on the rocks. 
And Bible has something very interesting to say about a rock badger. Look at what it says in, this is also called conies. They are found in Africa, in the Middle East, not in uh, tropical uh, lands. They are found mostly in the African uh, continent and also possibly in the Middle East. Leviticus chapter 11 verse 5. And the corny, because he cheweth the cud but divided not the hoof, is what? Unclean. It's an unclean animal, Baba. Proverbs chapter 104 verse 18. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the conies. You know what? In other words, what is a conny? I'm unclean. That is a conny. I'm what? Unclean. Very difficult for us to accept that, no? Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 64. But we are all as unclean thing. And all our what? Ah, I like that. Everybody, you got the right answer. It is not righteousness. It is righteousness. It's wrong grammar. Perfect theology. It is not just righteousness. It is righteousnesses are as what? Filthy rags. We all fade away as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind. In other words, you know what Akon is saying? Lord, what? I am so small. All my good. It's like absolute dirt. I mean, the word is Horrible. This word. Very bad. Filthy. In other words, anything which is not from you, if I consider that to be my righteousness, for example, I've been going to church for a long time, that is my righteousness? No. I've been very faithful to the church? No. I've been a very faithful uh, servant of God? No. I preach so many sermons? No. You see my, uh, what do you say? Samarpan, no. Sacrifice, absolute, no. That is not my righteousness. Everything which I think can give me a right standing with God in our, what, you know what Connie says? Connie says, Lord, absolutely dung. Absolute dung. You want to know a perfect Connie? Ruth's gospel, Ruth's gospel. <laughs> chapter 2, verse 10 onwards. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me such a what? A Moabite woman on whom God says I spit upon it and a Moabite should not enter into the congregation of Israel for 10 generations. I'm an unclean thing and I found favor in your eyes. That is a Connie. And you know what Boaz says? And Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your, of your husband and how you left your father, your mother and, and the, and the land of your birth. And then you know what it says? And look at this. And have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work and full reward be given to the Lord, to you by God of, the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for your refuge. What an amazing! That is the reason why we sang the song. You have, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Time like an ever rolling stream bears all its, its sons away. They are all forgotten as a dream, but you, but you, you know what Connie says, Lord, I take my refuge in the rock, in the rock, the rock, Jesus Christ. Joshua chapter 2. Another Connie. You want to see another Connie? So Joshua chapter, sorry, this is Joshua chapter 2. Now therefore I beg you, who's this? 
Rehab, swear to be by the, by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters and all that they have and deliver our, us from our death. You know why? Because we are going to, we are going to trust in God and the God of Israel. I am a Connie, I am a Canaanite woman. God says, she's a Connie. And you know what? This Connie is going to be my mother, my grandmother also. Amazing. Second Samuel chapter 11. And Uriah said to David, I like that. Who's this Uriah? The Hittite. Who's Hittite? The descendant of Canaan. Hmm. <laughs> said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents and my Lord Joab and the servants of the Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my father's, to my house to eat and to drink and lie with my wife as you live and your, as your, as your soul, soul, soul lives? I will not do this thing. You know, where's my dwelling place? My dwelling place is where God is. And I was discussing this with Pastor. You know what Pastor says? Pastor was telling me, he was telling me, you know what, Vijay? Uh, Uriah followed David. It's like, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. The moment Uriah stopped, David stopped following Christ, Uriah continued following Christ, and David had to learn from an unclean man. An unclean man. Amazing. Uriah the Hittite? That is the reason why. Is this not the wife of Uriah? Ah, Hittite Anangana, what are you? Hittite no problem. He's after all a servant. Kanan. But who are you, David? Who's your grandmother? Is she not a Moabite? Is, is not your great-great-grandmother Rehab a Canaanite? Is not your great-great-great-grandmother Tamar almost a prostitute? Did you forget your, your pedigree? Suddenly, <laughs> you're looking down upon Hittite? Did you not forget that you are you yourself are a Connie? Matthew chapter 8. Jesus heard of the centurion. He marveled and said to those who follow, Assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west. Who are the east and the west? Unclean people from will come from the east and the west and they will sit with the clean. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You know why? Because they have trusted in me, the rock. They consider themselves to be what? Connies. The ultimate Connie in the Bible. For me, this is the topmost. Look at this is Connie of the highest order. Philippians chapter 3. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised on the eighth day, a stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is by the law, blameless. You know what he says? I count them, what? Dunk. And I should not, I should be found in him having his own, his righteousness which is by faith and not my own righteousness. You see that? That is a Connie. And Connies should remind others who forget that they are Connies that they were Connies once. That's exactly what happens in Galatians chapter 2. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Why? For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself. Oh no, they are all clean. I am unclean. You see? And he withstood. Hi, but I, when I saw that he was, they were not straightforward. If you being a Jew and you are living like a Connie, 
How are you forcing the Connies to live, live, to live like Jews, he's saying? Connies. Question plays. Do you consider yourself to be a Connie? Or do you think you have something in you that deserves God's favor over your life? Can we learn from Connies? Let's move to the next one. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 27. The locusts have no king. Yet they all advance in ranks. The locusts have what? No king. What does that mean? Let me tell you something. The locusts have no king means this. In among the locusts, nobody thinks that he is, ah, that is the point. Okay. The locusts have no king means, among the locusts, nobody thinks that he is king. Everybody is locusts. You also have the same kind of feathers. We may be clean, but we all are locusts. You know why? Locust is a clean animal, clean insect, by the way. Okay. There are unclean. That is the reason why I think they were made clean for one purpose. For John the Baptist. What was his diet? Locusts and wild honey. And that was the only kosher insect that he could eat. Okay. So locusts were given to John the Baptist. And you know what locusts are saying? Locusts are saying, don't, nobody in, among us considers ourselves to be what? King. You know what that means? Let me show you what it means. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 onwards. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, let's read this, not to Think of himself more highly than you ought to think. In other words, in the church there are no kings. huh? No kings. You think uh, people who come to the pulpit are kings? No? That's what I said. Perceived. There's all perceptions. <laughs> There's no high rank, no low rank. There is order. I'm not talking about order in the kingdom of God. But there is nobody who thinks that he is great or is big. Those things have been given to them by God. They are not in, the, in, in, in it for, the, for themselves. They didn't call themselves into their office. For I say to you, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think what? Soberly. Like a locust. You are a locust, I am a locust. You may be there in that rank, I am in the front, but we are all what? Locusts. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, it goes on to say, Romans chapter 12, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. In other words, we we are not independent people. We have different ranks, but we are all the same. We don't have any hierarchy in terms of, this is this person, this is so big, and this person is so small. Nothing of that sort. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So if you are a locust, what do you do? You use your gift. First Peter chapter 4. But the end of all things is at hand. How many of you believe that? Okay. Therefore be serious and watchful because of your prayers. And above all have fervent love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a what? A gift minister. Use them. To one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And it goes on to say. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him minister with the ability that God supplies. So that in all things, who is the king? God is king. That is a locust. So you have ants, 
You have cornies and you have locusts. They're all plural. Finally, we'll come to the final animal, the least in the earth today. What's his name? The spider. He doesn't talk about spiders. He talks about spider. What does the spider do? Skillfully grasps with his hands. Let me tell you something. We may be all locusts. We may be all conies. We may be all ants. But each one is a spider. Let me tell you what that means. Each one has a specific calling. Okay. Okay. And you're running one specific race. I am not running Moses' race. Moses is not, not running my race. Everyone has a clear demarcation. That is the reason why it says, those who compete in a race must compete according to rules. What does that mean? Remember, there was a, there was an incredible, uh, uh, situation when, uh, during Asian games. One of the, Ashwini Chinnapa, Punnapa Chinnapa something. She was a, one of the athletes for India. She was potential gold medal in the 100 meters women's in the Asian games, not Olympics, in the Asian, okay? And you know what happened? In the race, she got the gold medal, she came first, but when they actually took the camera shots, for a, for a small period of time, she went into the neighbor's track. Just for a minute fraction of a second. And the camera saw it, her stamping the border of the track, track and field, and you know what they said? Disqualified. You know, that's a tremendous lesson. You want to disqualify yourself if from the presence of God, you know what you should do? Step outside the borders of your race and get into somebody else's race. That's exactly what happened to Uzziah. Uzziah thought that he could run somebody else's race. Uzziah was supposed to be the king. You know what he did? Let me be this also because now he thought that he was sufficient for everything. Now you know what God says? That's not your race. Out. Play according to rules. Everybody has a specific calling. It, I don't know how you perceive any calling, but every calling is very difficult. Do you think that praying is an easy calling? No, one of the most difficult. Do you think to show hospitality is an easy calling? For all those who people who show hospitality in our, ch- in our church, I mean, I, I really give my hats off to you because that's something which I cannot consistently do over a long period of time because of my goodness, I'm like, oh Lord, this is not my gift. You see? And if I try to do that, this is, this is, this is, there are specific calls for everybody. That's what I said. And that is the reason why a spider and what you should have is what? Skill. Huh? You should work hard in whatever God has given. That is the reason why it says to Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, you've been called to preaching and teaching. Therefore, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means you need to have skill in whatever you're doing. That is the reason why it says, he is the God who trains my fingers for battle and, and, and my, uh, and my, for, for my hands for war. He trains. That means there's one thing everybody should be after is what we call the spirit of excellence. Be excellent in what is good. The best that you can. You know, when we were getting ordained, just, uh, not Justin and I, uh, Eric and I, Eric and I, you know, you know, one of the first questions that God, that uh, pastor was asking us, will you promise before God or take a stand before God, make an oath before God that you will do the best that you can for God? 
APS says. And you know what is the final calling? Do you love him more than these? Skill. You see, one of the things that I find in Christendom is skillless people. They are not good at anything. That's unfortunate. That is not what God, that is not God. God is a God who, who looks for skill and for, for perfection. He himself is perfect. And when you try to cut corners, I mean, I could be sloppy in some, some areas in my life. I agree. But some areas in my life which, which God has gifted me, I am, I try my level best to ensure there is some element of completeness in me. And I want to teach that to my children too. You see? And one of the things that I, when I memorize something, I want to be exact. So just that's just me, okay? It doesn't mean that you should always be memorizing the exact things. So for my children, they have a tough time to please me. It's not easy to please me. Daddy, honor roll. <laughs> honor roll, honor roll. I said, okay, oh, fine, fine. It's very bad, but it's true. I'm expecting something else because I know their potential. That's my point. And God says, I've given you everything. And you know what a spider does? It skillfully grasps. What does it do? Skillfully. In other words, it skillfully holds on to what God has given to it. You remember the story of that, <laughs> of that uh, Scottish king who was fighting England. Okay, Scottish people always fought the English people. Even now they want, they are fighting the English people. They want to be a separate country. Right from those donkey's years, they were born. There was a fight between the Scottish and the English. So this guy, I, I, I don't know the name of the king. He fought the Scottish king for six times. Six times he got defeated completely, lock, stock and barrel. And he gave up. And one day he was in a cave. He was totally disheartened. And then even, even as he was just musing over all his loss, he looked at a spider in the, in the, in the cave. And the, Robert Bruce, yes, Robert, thank you, Robert Bruce. Okay, and then he looked at looked at this uh, thing making a web. Okay, he made a web, made a web, and it fell down. It went up again, tried to make a web, tried to make a web, tried to make a web, fell down. And he was just very interested. He forgot about all his worries and started learning from a spider. That's the reason I'm saying you should have a teachable spirit. He said, "Let me observe this fellow." One time, second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. Sixth time, and then he took, and he started having a conversation with the spider, and he said, "Spider, you are just like me. You also got defeated the sixth time. You and I are friends. Thank God, spiders don't understand English. You know what the spider did? Not he just ignored his comment, obviously, because he couldn't understand. In other words, spiders don't understand negativity. Negativity na sa Okay, and then it went back the seventh time. And then you know what? Started spinning the web, and the seventh time it was successful. And then Bruce, he got his lesson. He said, Boy, if a spider cannot give up, why should I give up? You see, that is what teachability is skillfully making a web. The first Spider Man was Bruce. You see, it's remarkable. What you can learn from the animal kingdom. That's what God is saying, don't give up. You know, some of the people, you know, I know it for a fact, they have given up on life. 
They've you given up on your children. You've given up upon your, your spouse. You've given up on your relatives. They, you say, Lord, these are hard nuts to crack, Lord. Like you, nobody can reach with the gospel. As if you were not a hard nut. You, let me tell you something. Saving faith is impossible faith. You being saved also is an impossibility only. So will you give up? You see, there's a skillfulness in prayer. Do you know that? You connect with God just like that and you know exactly how to pray. And there are so many people and a lot of people. I'm not, I'm not comparing, okay? I'm comparing the, the rookies and the, and, and the, and the, and the veterans. The rookies, they'll, they'll, their prayers are scattered. All over the place. And the veterans, they know exactly what to pray. It's like a sharp scalpel of a surgeon, no? Absolutely skilled. Exactly cuts where they know what to pray, how to pray, when to pray. You know why? Because they have skillfully grasped like a spider. Everybody has a gift, my dear brothers and sisters. Specific gift. And God is saying, are you skillful in that? My gift? Not nothing to boast I can memorize. Whoa. Logically, not just memorize, logically memorize. God will give me the gift. You give me 25 page dialogue, I can do. So if I had to have a monologue those days, who's the guy for monologue, Vijay? That was the kind of reputation I had. It doesn't matter how big the dialogue, this fellow can do it. Because I, I used to love it. I used to love to do the whole connections in the whole concept. And I, I literally, I mean, completely memorized my 10th class science textbooks. And I say, teach my daughters the same. He said, you don't memorize your pace, you're not going to qualify. What, what is memorizing? You know it inside out. You know it inside out. Every problem you know. There's not one problem in the, in the textbook that you cannot solve. Do you have that attitude? Uncle, this is only example problem, uncle. This is uh, option problem, uncle. <laughs> Hello, you come to me for teaching. I will teach you the entire textbook or nothing. That's it. Oh, what will you do with this? I don't care. I don't care. See? Skillful. It's choice not let You know, in IITs, no, this is very interesting. The professors deliberately used to do it. They would, you know, just go over a problem just lightly. Ah, this is this, 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 this. Ah, answer. All the other concepts they would emphasize and this one they'll just do one run equation and one solution and they'll leave the class. And you know what happens? That is the only thing will come into the exam. Every other thing that will not come. And I observed it. You know, I, I got my lessons. First time I messed up. Second time I said, okay, which is the one thing which is not showing a lot of interest? I will show interest on that. You see, B, perfect. Ah, kada, perfect and ten Perfect and a hundred. That is a perfect number. Ten percent or? Nothing. At least you have to attempt, no. We give up before we start. Because there is a lion outside. 
They are very good at imaginations. Skillfully grasp. Are you skilled, my dear brothers and sisters, in whatever God has given you? You can be skilled at crying, a lot of you. I mean, no offense, but it's, it's, a, it's a fact. Oh my goodness, you can open a tap so skillfully. It's unbelievable. And our madams are PhDs in that. You need to understand, this is dangerous. You see, you are skillful at useless things. But what about God-given things? Things which matter. See, when you are weeping, God will ask you, why are you weeping? You should be able to answer. Why are you weeping? That is the one thing that we have started teaching our children in Grace Tabernacle Learning Center. Stop your tap. Don't cry without reason. Still, when, when we thought, talk about perfection, when we talk about skill, people get offended. Who is perfect? Oh, only you, only you are perfect. Huh? I mean, we, are not, we are not saying that. We are, we are at least pressing on toward it. Is there an attempt in that direction? Or are you perfect in the level that God is showing? That is the Urim and the Thummim, as I said, right? Are you perfect in the light that God has given you? Spider skillfully grasps. You see, it's not with locusts. You know, every locust is Gumpula Govindam. You will take care of me. You will share my burden. I'll share your burden. We'll share each other's burdens. That is locusts, spiders, badgers. Not spiders. Badgers, uh, locusts, ants, ants. But spider... You're running your own individual race. And let me tell you something. You come to him as living stones. Each stone is there in the quarry, not at the construction site. And God is working on each one of us individually. Individually. And God has given each one of you a skill. And know for a fact, I look at you and I'll see bunch of talent. That's most of it wasted. Even in my own life, there's no direction sometimes. Scattered. Five hours, six hours, you want to study, I end up studying, let's say, two and a half hours. After you know, two and a half hours, I'll be scattered in Fox News and uh, Bad Bart and uh, that and that and that. And I said, no Lord, this is not, this is not what it is. This is not, it is a constant battle. But this is an attempt. See, pa- pastor was saying fantastic things on the pastor's conference. He said, see, these things God, nobody knows. Nobody knows how I study in my personal walk, personal time. Have you ever seen me? Only God knows. <laughs> Are you skillful or not? When nobody is watching, David was one guy, I think, you know, the Benjamites, they had, they had such a skill, with the left hand, they could split a hair. Slingshot. They were the ultimate marksmen. I think those days, if they had mafia, all the Benjamites would be the part of the mafia. You know why? You know what Benjamites are, right? They are very, very, very loyal to their clan. If somebody goes out of their clan, Shiboleth, gone. Dishkya. You see? Benjamites. You see, they are skilled. And we talk about that in the church because we say, you know, church is not a people of, we are not sloppy people in the church. Whatever we do. There could be sloppiness in certain areas. That is not excusable, by the way. There should be some completeness in every area. Skillfully grasps. So, don't give up. Hold on. So what do you learn from a spider? 
holding on hebrews chapter 3 but christ has a son over his own own house whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end abba ennuna chusara venake adjectives hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm not full stop to the end ante till i accomplish it see if god has called me for a particular purpose and if i have heard it from god notwithstanding the number of failures that i have in my life i will be able to achieve it otherwise god is not god god is not faithful but is god faithful yeah he is faithful who is not faithful i am unfaithful hebrews chapter 3 but exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any one of you should be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin for we have become partakers of christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end what does it mean matthew chapter 24 who then is a faithful and a wise servant whom his master made ruler over his over his household to give him give them food in due season blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes will find him doing so in other words when i'm going let me go reading the bible and studying the bible that's exactly how paul went paul told timothy bring me the parchments and my and my cloak in other words i want to die studying pa asal I, I go crazy only, you know, in that statement. I want to die studying the word. I, I, I think it was uh, Chuck Swindle who said, "Yeah, Chuck Swindle." He said, "I want to die in the pulpit, preaching the word of God." Last sermon, I would have said, "Amen, benediction, dumb, dead." Amazing. Blessed are those servants who go to go go to eternity, enter into eternity with that kind of an attitude. blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes will find those sort assuredly i say to you he will make him ruler over oh all his goods now why skillfully like a spider but if that evil servant says my master is ah delaying <laughs> and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at that hour that he is not aware of that is the reason why you know what we to teach this uh, principle to the students we have what we call as surprises surprise quizzes in our in our in our university surprise quiz and you know what we do 30% of the grade for surprise, surprise quiz finished 30% of the grade for the surprise quiz that means uh, last minute lo otesechunamo last lap is not going to happen monday matting will not happen in triple id in fact you wouldn't believe it no i this exactly what i did for one of my uh, subjects okay i got 40 out of 50 in the final exam 40 out of 50 fine i thought in the final exam i'll make 80% you know what grade i got d i, I didn't sir see sir 80% in the final exam sir i did so well he says you know what continuous evaluation from the beginning to the end understand that the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him amazing no the day when you lose your consciousness that christ is not going to come that day he will come kya baat hai see and he'll cut him into two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth so boss 
Be skillful. Finally, don't give up. Proverbs chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 3. Not that I have already attained. Hmm. How many of you think I have attained? None of us have attained. But one thing, or, or I'm already perfected, but I press on. Hold on. Grasp on. Like a spider. Hold on. Hold on to the promises that God has given you. Hold on. The promise sin shall not have dominion over you. Hold on. I am being defeated by sin a million times. Say, Lord, I am not going to give up. Because you said in your word, sin shall not have dominion over me. I am not going to give up on the promise. I am not going to give up. I, I remember Shibu was telling, was telling me, you know, the final bike ride, when he was dropping me off to the railway station, he said, Vijay, even if you fall a million times, get up the million and the first time and walk with God. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, he has laid hold of you. Why should I give up on him? Knowing that I'm already in the king's palace. He has laid hold of me. Why should I lay hold of them? This evening, this morning, even as we close, I preach for one hour, 42 minutes. Can we have the worship team come, come up? Let's sing that song, He lowers us to raise us. I love that song. So that we might sing His praises whatever, all is well. This evening, this morning, can we just stand in the presence of God? So many of you at the verge of giving up, I don't know, maybe you're contemplating, it's enough Lord, I don't know, everything seems hopeless. Let's sing that song and this morning let us confess Lord, I don't want to give up. I know that you have given me one skill and I'm going to split hairs with that one skill. Okay? I'm going to, what? Split hairs with that one skill. Whatever that skill is, one skill. If you have one skill, great. If you have two skills, fantastic. If you have three, five skills, even more great. But whatever skill that God has given you, God say, Lord, I will not give up until you wrought that skill in my life. Hallelujah. Let's sing.
remember this incredible episode between the Shunammite woman and and Elisha. Elisha asks Gehazi to ask the Shunammite woman what she needs. And she says, I live among my people. What an amazing answer. And Elisha continues to press. And Gehazi says, Master, she has no son. She has no child. And Elisha says, by this time next year, you'll have a son in your arms. And she says, Lord, don't lie to me. Master, don't lie to me. Don't make fun of me. But according to the word of God, the very next year she has a son. And that she is the son of God's promise in her life. And one day that son goes out into the field. And he says, my head, my head, my head. And he dies. But Shunammite woman is not of that kind that she will give up on God's promises. Everything seems absolutely dead in her life, but she takes this dead son of hers and puts her, puts him in Elisha's room. And she locks up the room, tells nothing to anybody, even to her husband who has not much faith. Because faith will not talk with unbelief. Faith will not allow unbelief. Husband says, is everything okay? And she says, absolutely, everything's fine. And she starts, gets her donkey ready and she tells the tells her servant, until I say, stop, don't stop. And she hurries to the man of God. And Elisha is looking at this woman and she says, and he says, what happened to that woman? She is in distress. Go and find out what is, what is wrong with her. And she says, when Gehazi goes and says, is everything okay? She says, all is well. That is faith, my dear brothers and sisters. Because the Shunammites of this world will not talk to compromisers like Gehazi. Who will water down their faith. But they will hold on to God and God alone. And she comes to the man of God, and the man of God says, "Tells Gehazi, take my stick and put it on the put it on the son's to the, the on the son's face." And you know what the Shunammite woman says? I am not going to go out of this place until you come along with me. I am going to hold on to the one who gave me the promise. I am not satisfied with the Gehazis of this world. Gehazi goes, tries the magic wand. It doesn't work. Because Gehazis of this world are only interested in their own glory. They are compromised. But then Elisha comes. He goes into the door. Shuts the door. Lays on that dead son. Not once but twice. I don't know if something is dead in your life. But will you constrain Elisha, our Jesus, our Elisha, to say, Lord, I am not going to go until you come with me. The prophets want to go to Jordan and to, and they want to make, and they want to get wood to expand their home. But there's only one guy who says, my father, you come alongside with me. Will we hold on to God? Or will we leave him? 
Will we say, Lord, notwithstanding the fact that he is dead, I still hold on to your promise, Lord. Because I didn't ask for this. I did not ask for this blessing. I did not ask for this call. I did not want to be this. But Lord, you called me. You chose me. You gave me a skill. You equipped me. And Lord, I am not going to give up, Lord. Because Lord, I am a Shunammite woman. I am going to stand and sit in the place of double rest. I am going to rest in your promises. And I am going to see and I am going to stand still and see the salvation of living God in my life. And this morning, I want to encourage my dear brothers and sisters this morning. I don't know what is dead in your life. And he would just want to give it up. But it is God's promise. Will you say, Lord, come with me and lay on my dead son until life comes back. Lay on my dead relationship with you until life comes back. Lay on my dead prayer life until life comes back. Lay on my dead word life until life comes back. Lay on my dead ministry until life comes back. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Because Lord, you lower us so that you can raise us. And we know that we are held firm in the grasp of the rock of all the ages and therefore we sing and we confess all is well. Because you are a God who is in absolute control. And this morning, Father, we as your people, we don't want to give up. Lord, if anyone has, has, has become weary of doing good, let them hear from God's very mouth today. Don't become weary. For in due season, you will reap a reward if you do not give up. Hold on. Hold on like a spider. Learn from a spider, saints. A spider can teach us. Hold on to God. Don't give up on Him. Because he has not given up on you. Hallelujah. Father, I pray, Father, for all of us. Beginning with me, O Lord. Father, let life come back into our dead bones. We want to hold on. We want to hold on. We want to hold on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come at every one of your children into your hands this morning, O Lord. Whatever situation that they're going through, Father, you are aware. You are aware of our failures. Some people have said, Lord, in their prayer request, Lord, I failed you. But Lord, you are not taken by surprise by our failures. You already want Peter. Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked me permission to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail you. And Lord, we thank you that we have an intercessor at the right hand of the Father forever interceding and praying with us so that, so that our faith will not fail, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Whatever little faith we have this morning, we want to hold on to that. Oh, Jesus. Visit your people this morning. Visit your people this morning, Lord. Touch them. Empower them. Speak life into their dead bones. Breathe, Lord. Oh, Jesus, breathe. Oh, Father. Thank you. Have compassion on us, Lord. And enable us to confess all is well. All is well, Lord. Because we are held firm in the grasp of the rock of all the ages. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As your children go into another week, I pray, Father, that they will hold on 
and not give up. Whatever challenges they might have, they might face in their offices, oh Lord. I pray, Father, they will hold on to you. They will say, Lord, unless your presence goes with me, I will not go out. I want to hold on to you, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would honor their faith. Because you said in your word, those who honor me, I will honor. Touch, Lord. Touch, touch hearts this morning that are grieving. The loss of all those years. But Lord, you promised that you're going to give us back the years that the locusts have eaten. Oh, Father, we thank you that you're a God who's able to do everything new. Behold, you make all things new. For if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You are able to give us a fresh start this morning. But enable us to hold on. Skillfully. Knowing, Father, that we are held by the the rock of all the ages. Firm in his grasp. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.